All right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys here today. I hope you're doing well. I want to welcome all of you, especially if you happen to be visiting with us. It's fun to have uh, some guests here today with us. I'm just glad to have you. And as we heard earlier, the month of August has a lot going on at Plum Creek. This is, this is a big month. Last Sunday, Jared kicked off this sermon series called Love Your Neighbor. And what I love about this series is we're not just talking about this idea. We're not just reading what the Bible says. We're going out and we're doing this. We are showing God's love to our literal neighbors, the people who live right around us. And like Jared said last Sunday, we have two challenges for every week of this series. One is an individual challenge and one is church-wide. So let's go back and look at last week's challenges. First, we, we gave out these magnets to put on your refrigerator. Who is my neighbor? There are nine squares on this magnet. Each square has a little house in it, but that center square has a yellow house. That represents your home. And the challenge was to name your eight closest neighbors and then write their names on those eight squares around your home. So for some of us, that's pretty easy. You may already know those eight closest neighbors. For others, it might be a little tougher. Maybe you live out in the country and some of your neighbors are kind of a long way off. Or, or maybe your neighbors do live close by, but you just haven't met them yet. Either way, this is a great place to start, because if we're going to love our literal neighbors, we have to know who they are, right? So uh, that was our first challenge, the individual challenge, something you do with your neighbors. And if you haven't completed this yet, that's okay. There's still time. If you didn't pick up one of those magnets, we still have a few left on the table outside the uh, main doors there. Now, for last week's church-wide challenge, we did something very cool. Uh, we chose seven different neighborhoods in Campbell County and Pendleton County, and we sent teams into these neighborhoods to go on a prayer walk. And you know, for some of us, this prayer walk idea, it's a little outside the box, maybe a little uncomfortable. If you've never done something like this before, it might seem a little weird. But let me assure you, each one of these teams watched a training video before we got started. And in that video, we had specific instructions. Don't be weird. Now, if you're like me, Pretty difficult to follow those instructions, uh, but overall, I think we managed all right. And in my neighborhood, Darlington Creek, we had a great team. We had groups go out, two, three, four people, and, and really, we just walked past homes and we prayed, and a lot of the times, these were silent prayers, and we did look for opportunities to meet some of these neighbors, say hello, and see if there was anything we could pray for specifically, but if that didn't happen, it was okay. Uh, we learned that you can look for some clues that would give you an idea of what to pray about. For example, we saw at one home there was a vehicle in the driveway with a first responder license plate on it, and so we prayed for that person's safety, and we thanked God for the people who do difficult jobs in that area. 
At another home, we saw a yard sign for a student that had recently graduated. So we prayed that God would bless that young person as they move on to the next phase in life. And really, this idea of blessing, that's a huge part of this series. We want to bless others by being good neighbors. And when we do that, we actually line up with God's heart. We see that in Scripture. In our family, recently, we've been using the Plum Creek Scripture reading plan. We've been reading the Bible before the kids go to bed. And uh, last week, we read a verse that really struck me. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. That verse says, Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. Now, in this verse, God is specifically speaking to the people of ancient Israel, but this applies to everyone. This is part of His character. God looks at you and He says, I want to bless you. I want good things for you. And if we turn to Him and trust in Him, He is ready and willing to bless us. And we want to follow His example We want good things for our neighbors. We want to look around and say, how can we bless others? And of course, the greatest blessing is to find a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And when God uses us to point someone to Jesus, everybody gets blessed. It's just a great thing all the way around. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a Bible story that can help us love our neighbors well. It's a story of a dinner party. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and pull up Luke chapter 10. And at first glance, you might not see a connection between this story and loving your neighbor, but there's a lot we can learn here. So let's go ahead and read this. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 38 through 41. And here's what it says. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, this is a short story, uh, but there's there's a lot going on here, so we need to back up and uh, just break it down. First, we need to know where this story takes place. Uh, Mary and Martha live in a little village called Bethany. And Bethany is around two miles southeast of the city of Jerusalem. And of course, Jerusalem is a place where a lot of super important events take place. So Bethany is pretty close to the action. And as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus hung out in Bethany a lot. But it wasn't just because of the location, and it wasn't because of the scenery, Bethany was a special place for Jesus because of this family. 
He loved Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. They were close friends of Jesus. You might remember later on, Lazarus dies, and Jesus brings him back to life. It was one of his greatest miracles. So this is the backdrop for this story. In the little village of Bethany, Mary and Martha work together to throw a dinner party for their good friend Jesus. And of course, this was a big job because Jesus came with an entourage, right? At minimum, he's got the 12 disciples with him and maybe others. And then you add Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, you're making dinner for at least 16 people. It's a lot of work. And as we just saw, Mary gets a little stressed at this party. She's frustrated because her sweet little sister is not really helping very much. So Martha makes a bold move. She goes to Jesus, and we saw, she, she said, Lord, don't you care? Tell Mary to help me. Now, as I read that this week, I thought, man, that is shocking. Because Martha not only accuses Mary here, she also accuses Jesus. She's like, hey, Jesus, Mary is not helping, and that is wrong. But you are letting her get away with it, and that is wrong too. Wow, can you imagine confronting Jesus like that? If you ask me, that's a bad idea. At the same time, though, let's, let's not be too hard on Mary here, because she does a couple positive things. First of all, she's very open and honest with Jesus. She shares what she's thinking. She shares what she's feeling. And as we've said in the past, this is what God wants from us. When you pray, be open and honest. It's okay to share your frustrations or your failures or your doubts. God can handle that. He wants you to be real. And then there's another thing here that's positive about Martha. She's trying to do something good, isn't she? She wants to serve Jesus and the other guests. Now, unfortunately, she's also rude and disrespectful, but you can see where she's coming from, right? Martha just wants Mary to do her share of the work. It's only fair. If you're a parent, you've seen this scenario before, haven't you? At our house right now, uh, we've got a chore chart. Now, our kids have a lot of chores that they have to do, but this chart only has three big ones on it. You got laundry, doing the dishes, and cleaning bathrooms and floors. And so on this chart, there's little clothespins, and we move them from one name to the next, and you may have laundry this week, and that means all week long, you're doing all the laundry. So one of those three is, is assigned to you, but occasionally... As parents, which we have every right to do, we'll tell a child, uh, for, for whatever reason, you need to do the other kid's chore today. Now, if you have a child with a hyper sense of fairness and justice, that is just about the end of the world. <laughs> They're like, well, that's not my job. That's her job. It's on the chart. Look, it's right there on the chart. And that sounds a little like Martha, doesn't it? I think Martha did have that strong sense of fairness and justice. But what about Mary? What's she up to here? Why did she run over there to Jesus? Was she trying to get out of work? I don't think that's her motivation. 
Verse 39 says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. I think she genuinely wanted to listen to Jesus. And we need to understand what a big deal this is. Because Mary not only left Martha in the kitchen, she also did something that is culturally inappropriate. See, at that time, if you sat at the feet of a Jewish rabbi, the implication was you're one of his disciples. And in that culture, only males were eligible to be the disciple of a Jewish rabbi. Seems like Mary couldn't care less about what the culture says. She marched right in and sat down in the front row. And apparently, in verse 41, Jesus was totally cool with that. Let's go back and read that verse again. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has got it right. She's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In that moment, literally nothing was more important than being with Jesus, listening to Him. And of course, it would have been difficult for Martha to see the big picture here, because Martha had no idea in five short months, Jesus would be gone, and every minute they had with Him was precious. But that's the story. So now let's take that story and, and try to apply it in our time. What are we supposed to make of this? What is Jesus saying that applies to us? Is He saying that we should spend all of our time just sitting down and listening to Him? No, I think we can all agree. That's not the answer. So let's try to sort this out. What did Jesus say? He said, Martha, in the grand scheme of things, there's a very short list of the things that truly matter. In fact, you could boil it down to just one thing. So in that, Jesus basically tells Martha to focus on the fundamentals of life. And we understand this, right? When you get the fundamentals right, everything else falls into place. We see that in sports. Uh, take basketball, for example. Uh, there are just a few fundamentals that you need to master if you want to be a great basketball player or a great team. And uh, there, there's a list that I found of the fundamentals of basketball, five things. Dribbling, shooting, defense, rebounding, and passing. And that's a helpful list because that shows you what you should focus on in practice. If you're still terrible at dribbling, you probably shouldn't spend a bunch of time working on alley-oops. Focus on the fundamentals. If you do that, everything else falls into place. But now let's think about this in terms of life as a whole. What are the fundamentals of life? Well, as you look at Scripture, it, it's not even five things. It, it comes down to two, really three things. It's a short list. Now, this list applies specifically to followers of Jesus. But here they are, the fundamentals of life. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. And number three, make disciples, which is where followers of Jesus help others become followers of Jesus. Now, when you hang around Plum Creek, you hear us talk about these things all the time. And it might feel like, oh, those are pretty simple at this point. It's pretty repetitive. But have we mastered them? No, we have not. So we have to keep talking about them. We have to keep asking God for help. 
So number one, number two, those are the great commandments. Number three, that's the great commission. And if you have to pick just one here, Jesus said it really comes down to just one, it would be that first one, love God, because everything else flows out of that. So we got our list, but hang on, what about all those other things that we do in everyday life? What about the tasks that Martha was working on? You know, cooking, washing dishes, stuff like that. Are those things completely insignificant? Of course not. Let's not misunderstand Jesus here. Performing a task can be a great way to love God and love people and make disciples. These things are connected. This is what Martha was doing. She was serving Jesus. She was showing him hospitality, and that's a noble thing. And sometimes we can read a story like this, and we see there, there are two tendencies that we have. Uh, some of us are more task-oriented. Some of us are more people-oriented. And if you're that task-oriented person, you can feel like this story makes you out to be the villain. But that's just not true. Both of these things are needed. In fact, you look at how Jesus interacted, especially with His disciples. He sent His disciples out to accomplish tasks on a regular basis. One great example is the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry was that day when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And the, the people, these crowds of people cheered him. They were shouting, declaring that he was their Savior. And right before all of that happened, Mark chapter 11, here's what Jesus did. Mark says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. So this is interesting, isn't it? Jesus sends these disciples away from His presence. He says, no, I don't want you to sit here and listen to me. I want you to go do this job. I want you to complete the task that I've given you. So that's an important lesson. You can express your love for God and your love for people by accomplishing certain tasks that God has given you to do. However, we also need to remember that sometimes tasks can get in the way of a relationship. Remember what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So how do we interpret that? Well, I believe Jesus is saying something like this. Don't sacrifice an important relationship to focus on a task. Sometimes it's better to drop the dish towel and go have a conversation with someone. Sometimes it's, it's better to stop doing something for God and just go be with God. Sure, absolutely, we need to get things done, but we also need to pursue those important relationships directly. I think parenting is a perfect example here. If you're a parent with kids at home and you work a crazy number of hours every week. You may be serving your family by providing for them, but if your kids never see you, you're sacrificing the relationship to focus on a task, and that's not a good trade-off. But now let's come back around to the main theme of this series, love your neighbor. 
How does this story help us be better neighbors? Well, as we look at Mary, Martha, and Jesus here in Luke chapter 10, there are four clear action steps we can take. Now, I didn't come up with these, but I think they're right on the money. Here are the action steps in order. First, set your priorities. Second, create margin. Third, be interruptible. And four, listen. So let's go back and and look at these four steps one at a time. Starting with number one, set your priorities. Now, we all do this either intentionally or accidentally, but this means to choose intentionally. And this does not mean uh, to pick your priorities based on whatever your preferences are, whatever you like to do, whatever your interests are. No, this means set your priorities according to those three fundamentals of life. Love God, love people, make disciples. And of course, when you say those things are your top priorities, it has to be more than talk. This has to show up in your everyday life, in your decisions and in your actions. But let's say we've got this one covered. We're, we're good with step number one. We've got our priorities straight and we're ready to move on. Step two is create margin. And when we say this, it, it's about time. It's about opening gaps in your schedule so you can invest in relationships. You have that bandwidth. That's what Mary did. She left the kitchen so she could go be with Jesus. Now, I'll be the first to admit, in our culture today, this can be really tough. I heard someone say the number one obstacle to being a good neighbor is time. If your calendar is completely full, you don't have time to be a good neighbor. And, hey, I'll tell you, when I'm up here preaching, I try to be as honest as possible. If I'm not doing great in a certain area, I don't want to pretend like I've got it all together. So full disclosure, in certain seasons of my life, I've done all right here, creating margin. In other seasons, not so much. I've allowed those gaps to, to get filled up with work or other tasks. So this is a challenge for me, and I'm sure many of you can relate to it as well. When we talk about loving your neighbor, you start to feel conflicted. You start to get overwhelmed. You're thinking, man, how could I do that on top of everything else that's on my plate? Well, maybe we should take a closer look at the everything else. Maybe we should uh, look at our busyness in light of those three fundamentals of life. Uh, Maybe we need to make some changes. Because, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to choose between good and bad. We're not going around thinking, okay, should I love my neighbor or should I live a life of crime? I just can't decide. That's not how we think. What we're struggling with is, should I choose this good thing or should I choose this better thing? Sometimes that's tough, right? Well, the challenge is to choose best over better. The challenge is to stop sacrificing important relationships to focus on lesser things. And listen, this isn't easy. Our natural tendency is to be passive, to just let our schedules get filled up because other people will be happy to fill up your schedule for you. But we don't have to be passive. 
We, we have more control than we think we do a lot of the time. Instead of being passive, we can be proactive. We can start with those three top priorities and say, I'm going to make sure I have time for those, and then I'll arrange the rest of life around those fundamentals. Most of the time, not, not in every case, but most of the time, we can create margin. And when we set aside time to be a good neighbor, we put ourselves in a position where God will use us to bless others. I want to do that. So that's our second step. Here's step number three. Be interruptible. Not 100% sure that's a word, but be interruptible. You know what that means. Now, here we're not talking about the, the space that you've already created, that margin. Here we're talking about uh, that time when you're in the middle of something. If you're interruptible, you're willing to set aside your agenda to build a friendship or help someone in need or, or reach out to somebody who, you know, could just use some kind of blessing from you. This also... Uh, requires tough decisions. Because we can get out of balance either way, right? Because if you never allow yourself to get interrupted, you're not going to build those relationships. If you <laughs> always let yourself get interrupted, you're not going to get much done, are you? And, and the truth is, only Jesus got this balance perfectly right. He got a lot done, but it seems like he was never in a hurry. He was willing to be interrupted. And we can see, we can learn from uh, some of the things that happen that, that we see in the Gospels here. Uh, one example was uh, one day the disciples were annoyed because people were bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples thought those kids were just a distraction. They were distracting Jesus from real ministry. <laughs> but Jesus rebuked the disciples. He said, no, let these children come to me. Don't turn them away. In the end, if we want to get this balance right, the best thing we can do is fix our eyes on Jesus and ask Him to help us follow His example. Okay, we have one more step. It's not complicated. Listen. And this is another place where Mary was a great example, wasn't she? Uh, when Mary left the kitchen, she sat at the feet of Jesus, and she knew this wasn't a time to speak. It was a time to listen. And wow, when it comes to loving our neighbors, it's so easy for us to underestimate this step. Because all around our community, in the homes we drive past every day, so many of our neighbors are fighting a tough battle right now. You may not see it from the outside, but many of our neighbors are struggling. And they might wonder if anybody notices. They might wonder if anybody cares. And if we want to be good neighbors, we need to learn the art of listening. That happened at one of our prayer walks last week. Uh, Shannon Creech was telling me that her group met a woman on their walk. They're walking in front of her house. They uh, just saw her, struck up a conversation with her. And they found out this woman, just minutes earlier, had been in an argument with her husband. And she was pretty upset. So Shannon and the others, they listened they asked if it was okay if they would pray for her, and she was cool with that. So that's what they did. They prayed out loud right then, right there. And I know this woman was blessed by that group. And how did that happen? 
Well, it came down to those four steps, right? Set your priorities, create margin. We're going to take this Sunday night and we're going to go on a prayer walk and then be interruptible. When you walk past that house, be ready to stop and then listen. So, these are steps we can all take. And now it's time to look at our new challenges. Just like last week, we have one individual challenge and one that's church-wide. Your individual challenge builds on what we already started. We've got the magnet, and you've got those uh, eight neighbors that we have named, our closest neighbors. So this week, your challenge is to meet your neighbors, the ones you haven't met yet. Just strike up a conversation. And, of course, it's okay to do some of the talking, but don't forget to listen. Now, the church-wide challenge is something we've been talking about. You heard that at the beginning of the service. Uh, this coming Saturday, August 12th, Plum Creek has a great opportunity to, to be a good neighbor here in our local community. We're hosting the staff picnic for Campbell County Middle School. It's right here on our church property, and uh, we're still looking for volunteers for this event. We need people to help with setup. We need uh, friendly folks wearing our Love Your Neighbor t-shirts to welcome everybody and, and just uh, tell them we're glad you're here. We need help with grilling, inflatables, cleanup, uh, tear down, all of those things. But if, if you do this, if you volunteer at this event and you work in one of these roles, I have a word of warning for you. If you're working hard and then you look over and you see another volunteer and they're just standing around talking to somebody, don't flip out. <laughs> Remember Mary and Martha. We will get all the work done one way or the other. So that's the church-wide challenge for this week. And I encourage you to look ahead at those other events on the schedule for August. Check your calendar and create margins so you can participate in these church-wide challenges, as many as possible. I don't know about you, but I, I'm excited when I see all these opportunities to reach out to our community. I want to go back to that list. Just look at the list. After the picnic on Saturday, we've got the blood drive uh, on August 15th. We saw Alan Polatka talking about that early in the service. On August 18th, we're, we got a group hosting a Campbell County High School football tailgate. Uh, August 21st, we're going back to those same neighborhoods where we had the prayer walk. We're sending a Kona ice truck to each neighborhood. They're giving out Kona ice, no strings attached. On August 27th, that Sunday, we're packing clothes with master provisions. That's happening right over here. And these clothes will be sent out to people in need all around the world. Then August 30th, uh, we got a Pendleton County High School soccer game, and we, our group will be working concessions and working the gate, and uh, I'm, I'm just so excited to see all these different ways that we're going to be serving and showing God's love. Uh, these events even go into September a little bit, but we'll stop there. At the end of the day, this stuff is fun. When God uses you to bless others, you get blessed in return. So if you haven't yet signed up for one of these events, I encourage you to do that. Go to plumcreek.org slash neighbor. And if you haven't met your eight closest neighbors yet, I encourage you to do that as well. Let's just take this week and use our time well based on what's most important. And whatever we do, let's make sure we do it out of a motivation of our love for God. Let's pray. 
Father, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you just help us see things clearly, what matters most and what matters less. And Lord, I uh, just pray over the next month that uh, we'll just be good neighbors, that you'll help us to do that, help us to represent you well, help us to point others to Jesus. And Lord, if there is someone listening right now who needs to begin that life-changing relationship with Jesus, I pray that they will hear you calling them and they will respond and find the salvation and the hope and the eternal life that you offer through Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen.